Episode two. We made it. You made it. I just want to say thanks for tuning in and supporting this humble podcast of mine. I see you. I appreciate you. I love you. If you haven't followed us on Spotify, please do right now. So let's start it off. Welcome to Mouthful with Shanti, a podcast that works out our critical thinking muscles and creates a space to unpack culture, sex, gender, systemic inequities, and the list goes on. In this episode, I'll be interviewing stand-up comedian Arjun Banerjee, and we talk about gender performance, living with bipolar disorder, Indian culture, and sexuality. So here we go. Non-binary really works for me right now. Yeah. I think it really fits. I might be a trans woman. I'm probably a trans woman, but we're going to wait for my grandmother to die before we like start exploring <laughs> that. You know, like she just Don't try speeding up the process, okay? Well, it's, I will tell your your family. It's, I'll tell it's I'll like, tell on you. I have it on on film yeah, now. Yeah, it is fair. It's it's If she dies, we don't know why. It's if you saw her now, you'd know why. She's old. <laughs> she's coming to the end. But it's fine. She was de- she's like She's she's probably also bipolar, so she's like been sad her whole life. Like she's waiting for it. Okay. She's been she's she's yeah. I guess it's it is it is, and I don't want to. I know I probably like if you were watching me, I'd be like, this person's grandmother's dying. Why aren't they sad? I am, but I'm. But hiding people it get the old, cameras. and then they also pass. Yeah. And like we should understand how that cycle works. I think it's healthy to have these types of conversations where you're like. Oh, someone will die. This really sucks, but this is recognizing that is how I deal with it. You mentioned that she is bipolar, just just like you are. I think she is. She was never okay. diagnosed, but she well, was let's, prone we'll to. We'll turn it back on you. Um, I guess what is it like being bipolar? Describe your experience. Well, with that. sometimes it's, it really sucks. Yeah. And other times it really rocks. Yeah. Do you have like um? Do you have any manic episodes? So that. I have, okay, so, like, there are kind of two types. There are, like, manic episodes or hypomanic episodes. And I have, manic episodes are usually characterized by either you are hospitalized, which, of course, hospitalization is a decision made by people. Mm -hmm. So it's not, I think, the best. Mm -hmm. Like, you could just hospitalize yourself if you're having a hypomanic episode and you hospitalize yourself. Then you're, that's apparently now a manic episode. Or it lasts, Mm -hmm. I think, I want to say two weeks. And then there are a couple symptoms like psychosis um, that I think then delineated as, as um, manic. Mm-hmm. So I, ha- I, th- I personally do not get like long two-week – I've never had like a yeah. two-week thing. I've never been hospitalized. Um, but I do – I think what I got – I have – and I, that used to happen a lot more when I was younger. I would have like really intense – I guess hypomanic episodes that would last like a night. Mm-hmm. Um, but and what there does were that look like of for you? Like, what's happening with the, those hypomanic episodes? Um, I was really convinced I was like talking to someone that like wasn't there, but they were talking mm-hmm. back, and like we could communicate and we could talk, and like we Did could it feel really... like you're subconscious or like no, it was like another person. Okay. And yeah, no, I mean, I, I, it was really comforting. Yeah. Like, it was really good. I mean, there was one point where I was doing really bad. Hi, this is your host, Shanti, outside of the podcast you're listening to right now to uh, interject with a message. Uh, in a few moments, Arjun will be talking about being bipolar. And uh, I just wanted to say a trigger warning as they will be discussing uh, suicide for a few moments. So if you wanted to forward about 
a minute and a half. If you do not feel triggered, then please, we welcome you to continue. Back to your podcast. Yeah. Where that voice was like, you should kill yourself and then we can be together. And that was kind of when I was like, okay, I'm going to start taking meds for that. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that first off that you were even experiencing that. That sounds like scary and difficult, but I'm glad that you're doing the things that you need to to not go listen to that voice when it comes out. But um, to switch the note of that with the manic episode on a very opposite note of having suicidal thoughts, the opposite of I've heard in some manic episodes is some people have hypersexuality. Some bipolar people experience high levels of hypersexuality. And so I guess how does that resonate with you? Like, do you feel like your experiences similar to that or different? No, I'm I'm always horny. <laughs> like, okay. You're like, that has nothing to do with me being I'm just, bipolar. Yeah, I'm just I, horny. I'm horny. I crave validation. I'm honestly not even... I honestly recently have realized I'm not that horny. I just really crave outside validation. You're like, after you get that validation, you're ready and, you know, people are horny and you're like, well, I got the validation. I don't really want to do it anymore. Well, you, you have to be good <laughs> at sex to get the validation. Oh, okay, okay. Not yeah, just like, really... wow, you look good. Not that kind of No, validation. first of all, and like, the thing is like, I still am right now mostly dating women, and women will not tell you you look good until, really? until you're like inside them. Wow. I see. This is what we need to change. I think women should compliment. I love complimenting because I think we don't do it enough in the world. Like, Also, one thing I haven't noticed, you have very nice eyes, like a lightish brown color. I haven't noticed that because we're always in dark comedy spaces, and I just see you afar from on stage. But there you go. Look at look at see you get a compliment when you're not in a woman. We're just changing things right now, Arjun. You were saying. Uh, I mean, I understand. You're just you're you're hyper. Your sexual drive is not influenced by you being bipolar at all. Which for some people it may, but for you it doesn't. I mean, I think when I'm like really sad, like I don't want to be touched. Yeah. So I guess that like influences it there but i definitely don't experience periods of hypersexuality as opposed to my norm which is like you know pretty like i'm out there pretty yeah yeah. i mean i had to take a break because i was living with my dad for like a month and a half but even then in that period i did a couple okay nice okay so i have a question then you're saying you're living with your dad in regards to growing up um but only for two months, and then I'm moving only out in for, January. So only just, for like, two months. Everybody yes. knows, like Correction. I'm not. I don't Arjun, live with my dad. And when this episode only, this airs, is very short term. Unless this episode airs, if this episode you airs know, after January 9th of when, 2023, then I'm not. I'm I'm on my own. So. Yeah, you're on. You're, yeah. yeah, Arjun is on on their own at this point because yeah. this is that is when this will be released. Yeah. So, so I, I don't live with my dad. Given growing up, uh, yeah. living with your dad, growing up when yeah. you were younger, how do you feel like? living in an Indian household informed how you express gender. So there's this answer I'd love to give where I'd just be like, well, you know, like Indian people, like culturally and, you know, stretching back 3,000 years, we had a third gender. Like hijras were very much part of society. and the British... Gender variance is a part of Indian society. It's yeah. the damn colonizers that try to suppress that shit. Yeah, and so I'd love to just be like, no, my family decolonized our minds and we did it. But realistically, my family just wasn't that Indian. Because yeah. my mom died when I was pretty young. And my dad's just like a weird guy. Do you feel like you have been able to be open about your journey with gender expression with your dad? I, I did tell him I was non-binary. And that was pretty much the end of it. And I told him I was like bisexual. And, you know, my dad's like, my dad's like a professor at SF State. So, like, he's like woke. Whoa, your dad's a professor at SF State? Yeah. 
cool. What is uh what does he teach? He teaches international relations. Okay, cool. I, I just I got my uh, master's from SF State and I was teaching there oh, for a cool. little bit. So I was like, oh but anyways. So there are traditional understandings of what it means to be Indian, um, with some families. And you've said already that you found that your dad isn't really traditional like that. But within the Indian community, have you found where have you found that your beliefs conflict with Indian traditional ways of thinking? Well, you know, I'm not I'm not a particularly good collectivist person. I'm pretty, you know, I like I'm never really just like a go along to get along person. Like I really am willing to like get in fights with family, stand up for my <laughs> beliefs and not even really stand that up. That is a very Indian thing. I think you're okay. getting fights with getting in fights with families is very Indian. Okay, well then everybody criticizes me. <laughs> and it's not even like I'll say stand up for my beliefs. It's not even really my like strong beliefs. Sometimes it's just the thing that I think and then my family's like I don't think that's true and then I'm just like, "What?" They're like you're acting white. Yeah. You know, cuz you're having an individualistic idea on something. <laughs> this is that American stuff. Yeah, I mean my whole family's still pretty like lib Cool. So there's not like, I'm not like worried awesome. about like what they're gonna like. They think I think they know I'm queer, and they also like follow, like I post my shit on That's like awesome. Instagram and yeah. I love that Indian families are more open now and more progressive, and I'm really happy that your dad embraces, uh, you know, what you shared about yourself with him. Have you uh, explored with any uh, gender bending fashion? That's influenced by indian traditional things i have not but i'm gonna look so hot when i do i i think you will i mean indian like traditional indian clothes fucking go hard they do that leads me to talk about fashion and clothing um i guess i want to know um how has expression through clothing helped you understand yourself so i don't know if I guess if you're listening, you can't see me, but I'm wearing, if you're watching or just want to see clips, like I'm wearing like, I'm dressed like shit. Like I'm not, my socks are mismatching. Yes, I can confirm that. He is <laughs> dressed like shit. In the email I said, no shoes, so make sure you're comfortable with your sock game. That's yeah. what I feel like I have to tell people now because everyone's just walking around town with some fucking nasty ass socks and the second they have to take their shoes off, they're like, oh my God, you don't have nasty ass socks. That white could be whiter. Oh, yeah. I mean, these, I have no <laughs> idea how clean these socks are. So the thing is, I never cared about clothing. And I never really felt comfortable in men's clothing. And I never, I just wanted to like, I didn't want to stand out. I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to ever like express myself through clothing because, you know, it never really, like, you know, I never really felt like authentically myself in men's clothing. And so the idea of expressing myself through clothing seemed alien. And so I just never did it. Mm -hmm. um, and now, you know, I really just want to dress like the hot girls from eighth when I was in eighth grade. Yeah, so like, like the kind of artsy. When, when did Mean Girls come out? Did Mean Girls? Uh, mean Girls came out when I was like five. Okay. Yeah, Shit. it came out in like two thousand and three. Maybe that okay, would so have been when six. I was that age. Okay. Yeah. No. So not Mean Girls. I'm talking like two thousand ten hipster. What the fuck's it? That just sounds emo to me. What is it, it? Yeah, it's kind of emo. It's like I like the chokers and I like skirts okay. and tights and all that stuff. I feel like we, I mean, also when I do like buy it all and put it on, I look like a little girl. Like I look like a fully <laughs> dressed little girl. I have this joke where I say I look like a 12 year old dressed up a six year old. 
With a beard. With a beard. <laughs> I keep the beard. The beard. The thing is, the beard is not even a gender thing. It's just like, I'm extremely vain. And my neck chin looks just awful without a beard. That's and funny so because it. a beard does sim- does have a gender, like a gendered uh, vibe. Um, but I love how, you know, the way you are uh, performing your gender, the beard doesn't symbolize anything to do with gender. You're just like, I'm just trying to cover my motherfucking jawline right now. And so <laughs> the privilege of growing that beard has born a man. Yeah, no, it's it's nice. I mean, I, I actually, like, uh, the other, like, a few weeks ago, or, like, a few months ago, I shaved my beard in, like, a fit of, like, dysphoria. And then when I was done, I was like, oh, I fucked up. Yeah. I look way worse. This yeah. is a horrible decision. I what don't... were you feeling that made you want to shave the beard? I just wanted to be, like, a trans girl. Yeah. Because they're so pretty, but they, like, first of all, they're generally, well, I guess they're not, but the ones I see, first of all, the trans girls I see are just so, like, pretty. Yeah. But the thing is what I've noticed about transitioning is that hot people stay hot. Some people become hot. And luckily nobody hot becomes ugly. <laughs> but a lot of people who aren't hot stay not hot. So I don't know if that has anything to do with transitioning. That just sounds like ugly people are ugly and yeah. hot people are hot. Yeah, and some I think trans people the most have the biggest like they because the thing is t- oh taking care of yourself is a big part I mean, of it. Pretty privilege is a thing in all communities. Yeah. Trans, straight, you got pretty privilege, you got fucking pretty privilege. Yeah, I honestly what I really want, and I think it, the thing about is I want to be like a really hot guy and a really hot girl at the same time. Yeah. The thing is though, like it's such a it's like such a it's I think it's like the center debate in like queer communities is just like how much of it is self-expression and how much of it is like community defense like you have this oblig like the community that because the so many queer people have in the past and currently have done so much for you to get to where you are and they maybe didn't live exactly the lives they wanted to live so that you could go out and do whatever you know you could go out to bars and open you can have a job and be openly queer you can like do stand up and be openly queer and like all this stuff that was like really hard they like you know fought for it and we're not done we're definitely not done we got a lot more community defense that we need to do but it, it is like one of those things where like self-expression can't just be the only thing that you can't just use invoke self-expression anytime you want to do something because you do have a responsibility to other people, like a fairly intense one. And if you're part of a marginalized community, you have a big responsibility to the other people because if we all, because the people who have thought that are the reason we're where we are, mm-hmm. you know, like like all liberating things have had because a bunch of people got together and they made sacrifices. And so you can't just say, well, I don't have to make sacrifices anymore because we're not done. We're not at a place where we don't need more community defense. So like you do have to think about how, your individual expression affects others because if you're just doing whatever you want all the time, you're not like part of a community. You're an individual and that's great and that's liberating. And hey, I well, want- look at you. You are kind of collectivistic. Earlier you were saying you're not that collectivistic and look at you right now so, being all group oriented. Well, intellectually, I understand <laughs> it. But when I live my life, you're like, fuck off. I am pretty, I kind of just like, in like my instincts are to just do whatever I want. Given your unique experience with being non-binary, what are some misconceptions 
that you have come across? I would say that the, I guess the biggest thing is, and I did like one of those things where I was like on, on Instagram, I like did one of those like, ask me anything to my followers. And I, and I got a couple, and I think they were like kids. They were asking me like, how did you know that you were non-binary? And I think that that, and that question I think, and, it, and it's like a common like conception of like queer identity is like being this very like, it's as rigid as the structures that we're questioning, you know, like, and, you know, 40 years ago, if, if somebody comes out as gay, that's just, that's what they are, right? Mm -hmm. And bisexuality and all these identities that are currently kind of flourishing, these more mushy identities existed, but people didn't really have the space to, um, to say them because, you know, there was, they were under, subject to so much like, scrutiny yeah so you didn't if if you could avoid saying anything you just would yeah like if you're bisexual like yeah it'd be cool to hook up with boys but like you know you're be ostracized from your community so maybe you'll just keep it to yourself so there were not as many bisexual people not as many gay people but then like and the same i think also goes from non-binary i think it's more it's more of a mushy identity yeah. it has it's and it's the whole point is that these identities that's what we're trying to queer yeah, I mean, yeah, queering is, I think, a great word for that. It's like you are trying to, essentially, it's okay. When you say, how did I know I was non-binary? I don't, I don't know, mm -hmm. I guess. One thing that we had mentioned earlier, uh, earlier you had mentioned that, you know, you're pretty horny all the time, which has nothing to do with uh, you being bipolar, but uh, something else that people have the misconception of connecting hypersexuality to is uh, being pansexual. Um, and so I know that in your standup, you've talked about being pansexual, which originally I remember you talking about being bi, but then because the language has kind of changed to be more inclusive of all identities and not stick to just the binary, um, uh, you know, people also use the language pansexual. But tell me about... Um, your relationship with your sexuality in in that uh, in that way. Yeah, I mean, so I knew I was like physically attracted to men when I was like fourteen, mm -hmm. and like I started. Well, okay, actually, that's not the. I I fantasized about sex with men till like, when I was fourteen, but I didn't really experience attraction to men for a while, and I could, and so I would try to hook up with guys periodically, and it was it always felt bad, mm -hmm. like weird. Not good, and I was just like, "What am I doing?" And then I bad as in something internal, like you felt maybe shame or uncomfortability, or bad as in like I, just wasn't... I don't think this gets me hard. Yeah, second one. Okay, I just like wasn't on it. I was just like, "What's going on?" Like I fantasized about being in this moment so many times, and then I'm here. Maybe I just have like a really specific type of guy. Yeah, and the type of guy was like super normative, and which I did not like. And then when I started, I think, when I accepted my gender identity, when I said I was non-binary, that was the first time I was able to really experience same-sex attraction on, like, a real level. Like, now when I see hot guys, I'm, like, into it. Or, like, now I can, like, go on dates with guys. And I've been, you know, I can be physically intimate with guys in, like, a really nice way. Um... And like for and it's way less normative. So now it's not just like it's not just guys. It's like really pan. Like it's like, you know, femboys and well, I was always into like masculine girls and 
you know, envies. Yeah. It's kind of in between. But now I'm just sort of into more people, which is nice because now that I've kind of accepted it, it's just like, you know, a beautiful, like a, you know, like a pretty trans girl is like something that I used to like intellectually be like, there's nothing wrong with it. But then in my, in my head and like there was like internalized transphobia and all that stuff, like I wouldn't want to do it. But now it's just like, of course, if they're hot. Yeah. I mean, if they're not hot, then like, no. And also if they're like unpleasant. Yes, then yes, no. both of those. But like, you know, now I'd let like a... I'm glad your vanity hasn't been impacted. I guess now that you have agency in your gender expression of being non-binary, that allows you to space to be like, oh yeah, now I feel like comfortable. I guess maybe you were letting go of some internalized whatever it may be. And now you're like, I can go on all these dates with whoever else, whoever I want to go on and I can feel comfortable with it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, to an extent, it's just like masculinity is a prison and I just kind of left. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of, and I'm not saying that like masculinity can't be reformed or like men all have to abandon their sense of self, but like, let me tell you, it's like pretty freeing to just be like, oh, I don't worry about that. Like, because, you know, it's like a competition, which sucks and like you can't always win. I mean, you know, I still do it good, but like, yeah, it's honestly, it's made, like it's made sex with like queer women, like uh, amazing. Like, because like straight girls, you still have to In what ways? How do you feel like leaving typical behaviors of masculinity behind has helped you having sex with queer women? Well, for one, it turns out I don't, it's not that I like to be silent during bed. It's just that well, the real noises I want to make are like lady sounds. Okay, so yeah. so I was, okay, so noises in bed have been gendered by like men being like, ugh, ugh. I know, so <gasps> gross. Fuck yeah! Like, but you like you don't want to do like what are your what are what are your noises, Archie? I'm not gonna make my. I just go like come on. I make a, you know it's like a, like like I can't. I don't come on. I feel like these my, are my. You have to do yours. Uh, oh god. Uh, oh, I feel like don't. mine's like that. Yeah, I mean mine and are sometimes like it's that. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> mine are also like that. Honestly, like sometimes it's like a grunt. Because yeah, I mean it's sometimes like, there's a grunt when you're and, like and like and I've thought about that too. I've thought like wow, this sound that I'm about to omit is gonna sound masculine. Yeah. And and I felt that insecurity, but like I think it's a compliment. If I'm like, oh like after I feel like that's like good. Like that's a good thing. Like you just goddamn fuck made me come really good. Where I am I am breaking gender norm noises. Be that's how good this come was. Is that I can forget about performing gender. And yeah. just perform orgasming. See that that's that's good, but the thing is, it's because, but there's also like a gendered aspect to even saying you did a good job. Is not something that when you're I having, did a good job. Well, when you said like that, you made, uh, you're right. I you did were, say it like that. I, I'm internalizing the misogyny. I said you did a good job. I was giving the man the credit. Well, I, he deserves a little credit. He yeah, made, he deserves some. Come credit. on, he was there. Yeah, but I I did a good job too. Yeah, okay, but I'm not saying we that. that I'm there. saying that that's just like how when you're having sex as a man with a woman. You're not, well, I guess if you're just like a shitty dude. I have sex with women like I'm trying to prove I'm a good person. Good. That's how it should be. Well, it's not good because it's not (laughs) always, it means that I'm like not. Completely secure, maybe. Yeah, it's like an insecurity. Like I need, like they have That validation. You need that validation like you said earlier. And if they don't come, and the thing is it's like not, it like, like, and I try real hard, but it's like sometimes girls, it's just not it. So here's my follow-up question to that, because I know I've experienced that. So, so I really like having sex. And sometimes yeah. I'm like, I Me really too. enjoy making someone else come. But sometimes I'm like, I know I'm just not going to come right now. I don't know why. Maybe my mind's somewhere. I don't need to come right now. I got joy just from having sex. 
you're saying that in that type of situation, that feels problematic in a way. Well, problematic, I guess, to me, always comes off as like within social justice norms. I wouldn't say it's problematic. I just <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I'm just being like, oh, you didn't come? You're it's canceled. Unjust. Yeah. <laughs> you have committed violence against me. Um, as a trans person of color, and you I'm, not coming is a hate crime. Exactly. <laughs> And what is your noise in the bedroom if, that you feel like strays away from the expected masculine bedroom sounds? Yeah, okay. Just, it'll be so like an, like I breathe harder and then just like, uh, like that. Okay. I sense the feminine vibe in there. I feel that like softness. I like those noises, but to an extent, because I feel like when I watch porn, sometimes with some women, they do that too much and i'm like you know what can you just shut up this is a little over exaggerated i also that's how i feel about men making noise in bed like if if i'm having sex with like a cis boy and he's making sound it's like shut the fuck up (laughs) i don't want to hear you that's how i feel about cis men too yeah right it's just like shut your (laughs) what's wrong with you you loser it's just like i you know i'm it's just the hard thing though is it's also hard to like because i haven't like done that much social transition that like it's hard to find a guy who's going to treat me the way that i feel like women should be treated in bed yeah um so like because then i just maybe not even women just certain things on how a human should treat a human that you appreciate no i mean the the men that i hook up with are like respectful and good but but is that a treating a woman thing or is that just a good human thing no i specifically mean they should just be like you're so beautiful and let me open a door for you and just like yeah and just be like they like you know they're just like kind of like kneeling at my feet and they walk on the side of the sidewalk that's near yeah. traffic and they like caress my a chivalrous, face a chivalrous yeah. like man. a trad boy okay and i'd be their trad wife the thing what is does I trad find mean traditional oh. are you not on the internet <laughs> I'm on the World Wide Web. Thank okay. you very much. <laughs> so, like, I thought this really good tweet, which is, like, the thing is because trad cath means traditional Catholic. If they want a trad wife as a traditional wife, which is obviously a gender, traditional gender norm. It's just, like, the, rea- the, re- the reality is is that a trad boy could get their trad wife because all they would Hold have to do... Hold on, put your hand down because camera. All Sorry. they would have to do is date a trans woman because, like, like, you know, I really, like, traditional femininity to me, there are certain aspects... I mean, obviously, it's, like, horrifically like oppressive but you know i'd like to like you know get dressed up and like cook for my husband when he comes home so you want to preserve the binary arjun yeah i mean for me damn it in my household yeah (laughs) this is that individualistic side now we're going back all right in my household everyone has a penis but there's a man and a woman okay and they raise a kid which i guess they'll just we'll just make some you want to just flip sides yeah, I mean, look, but I'm trans, so it's liberating, you know? I and get it's, it. it's also just like, I just want, like, and also, or I could be a wife, or a trans wife, or a trans man, and we could, like, honestly, really, anybody, just somebody Or a like, partner. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd like a provider. <laughs> I don't know if I want a partner, but, like, you know, the provider where they're, like, or I could. The point is, I just want someone who will be nice to me and think I'm really hot. And then I can just take care of them. But they like work because I hate my job. You know what? I like that because I think that's all we want is someone who's nice to us that takes care of us and is really hot, which I guess leads me into my last question. And um, 
And so my last question is, how can someone better love you? I guess, I don't know, just like, I think the advice I'd give is pretty universal. I mean, I don't know, or it's either hyper-specific but not connected to, I mean, I think when you love someone, identity is a useful organizing tool for politics and it's great marketing for mm -hmm. media content and it's a great way to like, you know, it's if you're trying to make generalizations, if you're in a situation where making generalizations about a huge swath of people is like fairly beneficial, which, you know, if you're talking about like voting patterns or market consumption or just like, I don't know. We're talking about trying. love, Arjun. Yeah. You're talking it's... about voting patterns. I know, but that's the thing. When it comes to love, it's like love is so specific that like identity vectors, I think kind of, it's not that those, that's that stuff like, it's just like that, that's your person. Like you have to talk to them. And if you're listening to a podcast on how to, if you have a trans whatever partner. Well, it doesn't have to just do with your identity vectors. This is a question, Arjun, like because sometimes when you're dating, like if you're dating a woman, I, as a woman, you have to, the person has to understand the inequities and the different privileges, like have a feminist consciousness to understand. So that's how my identity vector of being a woman may inform this is uh, something to be aware of. Yes, we discuss it personally, but also it's like, you know, just like what's something, because all of these different parts of you have created who you are. And a person, whoever is in a relationship with you, knowing who you are informs how you need to be loved. Either it be you have abandonment because you're an orphan or like whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, I think a feminist perspective to relationships is absolutely necessary to understand. Like, honestly, I'd say especially, like, yeah, especially for like heterosexual partnerships, like women need to have like, you know, kind of a third, a third wave feminist perspective of like men and patriarchy and how patriarchy affects men, and then obviously men need to have an understanding of how um, uh, patriarchy affects women. So like, and if you're dating a trans person, you need to understand feminism. And like, feminism is a very, I think, just the word I use to describe like people who are thinking about relationship, like thinking about a world that isn't just men. In, Having that consciousness of, about yeah. that galaxy. So I would say that, like, uh, like then definitely, like, if we're saying that, like, yes, make sure that you under, like, read books about, by people of different identities from you. And if you're dating someone, try to, you know, but I guess, like, ultimately, like, loving me better. It's just, like, I'm kind of a dick. And I guess, like... I don't know. I guess I never have. No one. I've never. That would be a great album title for yeah. you, by the way. Like after you do transition fully yeah. and you're a trans woman and your <laughs> album's like, I'm kind of a dick. That's hilarious. That's actually a pretty good one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Honestly, you know what the crazy thing is, is I've always wondered how I can love someone else better. And I guess how someone can love me better is a question I've never really asked. And I guess I've. I don't know. I, um. I could give you a time to think about it, and one day we'll just call. I'll have you call in, and you'll be like, I thought of the answer. Yeah. But I do like the idea of having a feminist consciousness because well, that's important, that. especially given. Well, yeah. Of course but, you like but the I'm idea. Giving it, it's yeah. yours. <laughs> just like, I really like that part where you agree with me. I'm giving it to you, though. Yeah. It's like a tag. It's okay, like you could yeah. have it. Yeah. But no, yeah. No, I agree. You're right. <laughs> I'm sure, uh, and on that note <laughs> I agree you're right on that note um, thank you uh, thank you very much for being here I appreciate uh, you sharing yourself 
on Mouthful with Shanti. All right, thanks. Yeah, no. That was fun. Yeah, I like podcasts. Thanks again for tuning in. And uh, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe on YouTube, and uh, share us with your friends. Have a good one.